Welcome to Debate and Diplomacy, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Before we begin, we would like you to check out the description of this episode. You will find a website with all of our information, which will include sources, transcripts, and much more. So please check it out. So without further ado, let's begin. In 1960, John F. Kennedy became the youngest U.S. president to take office. He was only 43 years old when he was elected president. He assumed the office in the midst of the Cold War, an intense political and economic rivalry between the United States and the Soviet Union. In the mid-1950s, Nikita Khrushchev became the leader of the Soviet Union. During Khrushchev's long period of leadership, he created erratic foreign policies that interfered with U.S. presidents, such as Dwight D. Eisenhower and John F. Kennedy. After World War II, the U.S. and the Soviet Union were the two most powerful countries in the entire world. This led to some tight competition between the two, resulting in high tension in what came to be known as the Cold War. While this war did not involve military combat, it did spark several smaller wars. One of these smaller wars was a standoff between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, known as the Cuban Missile Crisis. The standoff was so intense that it almost led to a nuclear war. A failed attempt to overthrow Cuban dictator Fidel Castro, known as the Bay of Pigs, led to Castro receiving Soviet arms, ostensibly for defensive purposes only. October 1962. Fidel Castro began receiving regular shipments of Soviet weapons. October 14, 1962. A U-2 spy plane was flying a routine strategic air command mission over Cuba when they noticed and recorded pictures of a Soviet medium-range ballistic nuclear missile in Cuba. October 16th, National Security Advisor McGeorge Bundy presented the photographic evidence to President John F. Kennedy at an Oval Office briefing. A group was formed known as XCOM, or the Executive Committee of the National Security Council. Time was of the essence. In only 14 days, the Soviet nuclear missile would be active and could deploy at any time killing thousands of innocent civilians. According to an article written by William Darity Jr., quote, most missiles were determined to be SS-4s with a range of approximately 1,100 nautical miles. This placed major American cities, including Dallas and Washington, D.C., within range of an airstrike. Later, photographic evidence concluded that several SS-5s with a range of 2,200 nautical miles were also included in the Soviet arms shipment. Close quote, Source number one. For the next seven days, XCOM debated over what their solution to the problem should be. They came up with three general conclusions to how they wanted to tackle this problem. Please note that at this time, the United States citizens had no idea what was going on, and it was XCOM's goal to keep it that way for the time being. The first idea was a surgical airstrike targeting as many Soviet arms as possible. The second idea was the same thing, but would follow with the US invading Cuba. The third idea was a quarantine. Kennedy opted for the blockade, which was termed a quarantine, so it would avoid warlike denotations. On October 22nd, the U.S. military was placed on DEFCON 3, which is an increased readiness to normal procedure, and the Air Force could mobilize in 25 minutes tops. Kennedy later gave this address to the people of the United States. Good evening, my fellow citizens. This government, as promised, has maintained the closest surveillance of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Upon receiving the first preliminary hard information of this nature, Last Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., I directed that our surveillance be stepped up. This government feels obliged to report this new crisis to you 
in fullest detail. Source number two. The citizens of the United States did not believe what they heard. Peregrine Warsthorn said, quote, I say almost since for a day or two, we simply did not believe that President Kennedy was telling the truth. His surveillance people, we wildly surmised, must have made a mistake. Surely Mr. Khrushchev could not be so mad as to have done something which, unless reversed, was bound to lead to a thermonuclear exchange between superpowers. Close quote. Source number three. By October 23rd of 1962, the CIA began tracking several Soviet submarines moving toward Cuba. This made the Navy's job of controlling the quarantine a bit more complicated. On October 24th, after receiving much support from the U.S. citizens, the quarantine officially went into effect. On the morning of the quarantine, 16 of the 19 cargo ships began reversing course, but three were nearing the quarantine line. William Darity Jr. states this about what is known as the scariest moment of the Cold War, quote, Kennedy, though wishing to avoid conflict with the sub, authorized the aircraft carrier USS Essex to take whatever defensive measures were necessary against the submarine. This was perhaps the most dangerous moment of the Cold War, as both superpowers were armed and were mere moments from turning the war hot. Close quote. Source number one. Vandit Morlov said this about the quarantine. Quote, I recalled my first naval specialization and plotted the movements of the American ships. For some time we were able to avoid them quite successfully. However, the Americans were not dilettants either. Following all the canons of the military art, they surrounded us and started to tighten the circle, practicing attacks and dropping depth charges. They exploded right next to the hole. It felt like you were sitting in a metal barrel, which somebody is constantly blasting with a sledgehammer. The situation was quite unusual, if not to say shocking for the crew. Close quote. Source number four. On October 26th, Khrushchev sent a long emotional letter to Kennedy claiming that the missiles were for defense purposes only. He implied that if the U.S. pledged to not invade Cuba, he would remove the missiles. Kennedy replied to this letter saying that they would agree to this pledge, but if the Soviet Union did not answer his reply in two to three days, Cuba would be bombed. On October 28th, the Soviets announced on Radio Moscow that their missiles in Cuba would be dismantled. The world could finally breathe. Before we move on to how things have changed, let's analyze the successes and failures of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Kennedy was extremely smart for renaming the blockade as a quarantine. Wounds were still open after the Berlin blockade, so if Kennedy wanted to avoid war, he would have to change the name. One mistake Kennedy and XCOM made was not asking for the input of other countries. The entire world was sort of involved in the Cuban Missile Crisis. If the US or the Soviets made one false move, the entire world would feel the catastrophic results. So taking the input and ideas of other countries would have probably been a good idea. On a positive note, Kennedy did ask for the input of the American people. He did the right thing informing his own country on the situation that was at hand. He took diplomatic actions and asked what the common people wanted to do. This strengthened their belief and trust with President Kennedy and in the end, it worked for all parties. Let us now take a look at how the Cuban Missile Crisis changed the future of America. So now 50 years later, things have changed in the US. This includes our foreign policy and how we handle difficult situations with other countries. We have had multiple similar experiences with North Korea. The US and South Korea had a nuclear standoff with North Korea and was close to leading to a war. Ever since the 90s, the US had to make deals with North Korea to persuade them to stop producing and testing nuclear weapons. Which is where we get into how the Cuban Missile Crisis changed the US's foreign policy for the better. If you recall from earlier in the episode, we listed the three solutions that XCOM debated over for how to deal with the Soviets. They all included using the US military as a way to force the Soviets to stand down. 
the United States could have easily bombed the Soviets and Cuba. This was really dangerous. So if you look at today, the United States tries to persuade using worldly goods such as money, food, weapons, medicine, etc. Another thing to look at is communication. At this time, communication technology wasn't as advanced as it is today. So whenever Kennedy or Khrushchev needed to communicate, they would have to send a letter. So after the Cuban Missile Crisis, a hotline was installed between the White House and Kremlin. They also signed the Limited Nuclear Test Ban Treaty on July 25, 1963. Lastly, the nuclear warheads being installed on Cuba were within range of some cities in both North and South America. Kennedy must have realized that this was a direct violation of the Monroe Doctrine, which states that the Americas cannot be conquered and that the U.S. will fight for their freedom and the freedom of others. So the U.S. did just that. By making an agreement and taking military actions, the Americas were not conquered. Both Jasmine and I love this story and absolutely agree with the actions that were taken by Kennedy and XCOM. We believe that Kennedy was smart to include the citizens of the U.S. in this debacle and to term the blockade as a quarantine. Kennedy saved lives that day and changed the U.S. foreign policy and how the U.S. would handle tough situations with other countries for the better. In the end, the Cuban Missile Crisis was a scary and stressful time. But through many debates between XCOM members and through Kennedy's diplomatic actions, lives were saved, policies were changed, and national relationships were made. Thank you so much for listening to Debate and Diplomacy, the Cuban Missile Crisis. As a reminder, please check out our website. The link will be in the description below. All sources, transcripts, and information about this podcast and our submission will be on that page. Thanks, Thanks bye! bye.